Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Well, O'Toole, this is our 150th episode and we're still speaking. And you know what, Hollister? I don't think we look a day over 149. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to say a thank you to you. You know, I just really, really love what we do and I love the response we're now getting and it took a while to kick in, but here we are. And 150 episodes, that's nothing to be scoffed at, truly. You know, a moment. if anyone can scoff, it is us, and we're not scoffing. <laughs> and a huge thank you to our listeners. Without them, yeah. we'd be nowhere. Yeah, well, you can thank the listeners. I'm thanking you. <laughs> Hollister, <laughs> it's reciprocated. I just, you know, I mean, it's it's amazing, and you're the one who makes it all happen, and I'm just grateful. So there you go. Well, Hollister, thank me. maybe we should just stop the episode right here. I, yeah, end of stories. Talk to you all next high week. Point. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do we get a cake? Einstein! May I have your autograph, sir? Well, a couple of things have ended recently, though, and genius is one of them. Now, you may remember we started talking about it when it first came out. It's National Geographic's first effort at a narrative around Albert Einstein. And so it's a series, it's 10 episodes. And I just finished the last one, which they they ended it last week. They ended with the last two episodes. They put them out at the same time. Oh. God, it's riveting. It's really? riveting. Oh, wow. my goodness. Hollister, you are such a faithful viewer. I think I you make a, it I, through more series than anybody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, how can you not when the star is... Jeffrey Rush. You know, everyone's talking Emmy, Emmy, Emmy. And, you know, I'm not real big on the awards thing. But, God, he just... Every picture I've ever seen of Albert Einstein, he looks just like him. And the torment, you know, it's not easy being a genius. Not that I can say from <laughs> first-hand experience, but, you know, I mean, his life was not easy. His personal life was in shambles most of the time. And um, and our country didn't treat him so well during the McCarthy era. And I had no idea about that. Did you know about that? I had read a little bit about that because my brother used to live in Princeton, New Jersey, and uh-huh. Einstein had big connections to Princeton. So I've always been fascinated by Einstein's life. Well, he was treated very badly by the head of the FBI, and really they tried to ridicule him and basically wanted to throw him out of the country. I mean, it's just outrageous. You know, our history is, is riddled with those types of moments. But So it gives us a, an incredible understanding of his genius and what he what he discovered, which is really what it's all about, discovery, right? And mm-hmm. and then it goes into his personal life, and then it goes into the times in which he lived. So between being a, a Jew in Nazi Germany and having to leave and then coming to America when McCarthyism, you know, became, you know, a huge moment in time, and he happened to be somebody who was a member of the Communist Party, you can't imagine that seems like wherever he went, there was torment, you know, mm-hmm. and he wreaked a little torment on others himself. Uh, well, I wouldn't say he was not well, to know, that so, degree, but at uh, a personal level. Well, I think he he was um, he was self-absorbed in his desire to discover Mm-hmm. And he just didn't pay attention to anything around him while he was doing it. And you know, Hollister, it's phrases like that, which is why you can run a marketing firm. <laughs> well, thank you for saying that. Mm-hmm. But I think intention matters. You know, I've always said that. And his intention, I think he was oblivious. So when he people would come forth and say, yeah, there's one point at which his son is saying to him, you're so good to everyone else and you were so bad to us. And he looks confused, you know. 
you know, he doesn't realize that ignoring somebody or something is the same thing as being abusive in some ways. So, you know, I mean, look, I'm not defending him or the parts of his life that he didn't get right, but it's a fascinating life and it's a fascinating historical moment in time outside of his life. So it's worth, it's worth the watch. It's definitely worth the watch. So I highly recommend it. And the Oscar goes to... Mm. Daniel Day-Lewis in my left foot. Speaking of great actors, I saw your post about Daniel Day-Lewis retiring. Yes. Halster, I find this very interesting. Maybe we should take bets to see if this retirement's really going to stick. Because it's not the first time he's claimed he's retiring. Do you remember when he ran off to Italy and became a cobbler? Uh, well, I read about it this time around. I don't remember it at the mo- at the time, but yeah, mm-hmm. I knew. And yeah. even when Steven Spielberg wanted him to star in Lincoln, I mean, Steven Spielberg must have called him for a year before Leonardo DiCaprio picked up the phone and said, would you just call him back? <laughs> so he's not someone who's chased after a lot of roles. Well, I, you know, whenever somebody makes that absolute. I'm never doing this again. You know, um, I just read recently Rick Moranis who retired in the eighties from film because his wife died and he wanted to raise his kids. Mm -hmm. I think it was 90, no, actually 93. I think he, he, uh, honey, I shrunk the kids. He retired at the height of his career and now he's coming back. What is it? 30 years later or 20? Yeah. 25 years later. You know, I think absolutes of I'm never doing another film are sort of ridiculous. And he's very dramatic anyway, you know, Mm -hmm. so. You know, um, I always thought he and Jack Nicholson had the same record in terms of holding three Oscars. But Daniel Day-Lewis, all three of his were for best actor. Yeah. You know, Lincoln, he planned a year and then he stayed in character through the entire shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm sure that takes a toll. So maybe, you know, saying I'm not going to do any more is a good thing to say. But anyway, we'll see. I mean, let alone on the hair But at least it's going to be great PR for his upcoming movie, Phantom Thread. I think we we kind of owe Val an apology. Uh You know, we just want to make it clear that she hadn't yet seen Catfight when she posted about it on our Facebook page. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Okay, Hollister, really? You're our social media maven. I'm sorry. You're claiming the fit. I've been busy. Val, I'm so sorry if you hadn't seen it. We really, we we owe Val an apology. And she did finally watch Catfight. And I think how she described it was she found it cold. Uh But she has recommended a new show for she hasn't seen it yet but the trailer looks intriguing it's gypsy which is coming out june 30th on netflix starring naomi watts okay i will check that out for sure and val i'm so sorry i'll see val's gotta forgive us because with 150 episodes comes a little brain fog I did, is she upset did she actually say she's upset i believe her exact words were now wait just a cut and pick a minute <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, Con Pick a Minute is something I need to address. I'll go right on and, and address this. I mean, absolutely. we do have to defend Val's reputation because she yes, has recommended absolutely, it. Absolutely. So I don't well, know. Well, because Val, by the way, is one of she knows more about film than we do. I think she's just awesome. So Her there we go. Radar is so far reaching. She's like our air traffic controller of things coming yeah. out and things exactly. to see. So don't worry, Val. I'm with you. I'm with you, girl. Not to worry. Okay, any other news on your end? Well, I did see that Alexis Bledel has signed on to return for that season two of The Handmaid's Tale. Well, since, you know, she was removed almost, I think, after she ran over a bunch of people in a car that she stole. Uh, everyone assumes she was dead. So if she's coming back from the dead, it just goes to show how ridiculous I think this season two is. So. Is she coming back with a driver's license? <laughs> I guess. But I do have one other thing. So somebody from Boston wrote us and said, have you watched Downward Dog? 
Um, it has nothing to do with yoga. In fact, it's the perfect anecdote to watching the unraveling of democracy. Oh. I think she's referring to the news. Um, when my head hurts from fear of the super secret Senate health care bill, and I think every tick I remove from my dog Milo has Powassan, I watch an episode of Downward Dog. It helps rest my brain. Instead of planning where to live outside of the U.S., I think about possible storylines if Milo could make a guest appearance. Okay, so of course, I had to go watch Downward Dog. I only um, saw the trailer. So what do you think? I, you know, I think it's extremely clever. And ABC's canceled it mid-season, which I think is crazy because it's gotten great reviews. It's about a millennial whose name is Nan, who's played by Allison Tolman. You may remember her from Fargo, the, um, the TV show Fargo. It's gotten the Rotten Tomatoes. It's got a 90%... Uh, rating, which is very high for Rotten Tomatoes. And I just think they didn't give it enough time. You know, the first season of What the West Wing, it was panned by many people. So I just don't think they gave it enough time. And so they're shopping it to take it somewhere else. But it's, um, it's about a dog whose name is Martin, who lives with Nan, who's his owner. And he does voiceover to tell us how he feels about things that happen in the relationship. I base my whole day on Nan's schedule. She's like, oh, seven's the time for breakfast. Seven's great, even though it's not my preference. He gives a point of view around life from a dog's point of view that's really interesting. But also he speaks about relationship issues in a way that is very compelling. It's really well written. And I'm just surprised that they're not giving it a longer shot. I'm, you know, it's so typical. I mean, if this were a Netflix production, I think it would probably be sitting on the success level. So Hollister, you might be onto something there, though, because yeah. Netflix could acquire it. I well, mean, they're think shopping Gilmore it. I don't, yeah, they're not they're not saying goodbye to it yet, but they're shopping it around. We're like sixty percent compatible at best, but we have each other, and that's what's important. We're not alone, and for that, I'm honestly really truly grateful. So thanks, Lori, uh, for recommending it to us. Okay, so you picked a film that I did a little research on after you said you were going to see it. Oh my God, I wish I could have gone. Did you go to a theater or you watched it online? Oh no, I saw it in the theater and I okay. heard about it from my brother and my sister-in-law. So it is a film called The Wedding Plan, written and directed by Rama Borstein, who brought us Filling the Void a couple years ago. I did not see Fill the Void, but I see that a lot of people are comparing it unfavorably to the brilliance of Fill the Void. They do evoke very similar themes. Uh So they're both about marriage and they're both about a Hasidic woman. The wedding plan takes place in Israel, so it's in Hebrew, which I already find interesting. And if you watch the trailer, I'm sure you know it's about an Orthodox woman planning her wedding who gets dumped three weeks before the wedding, but decides to keep all the plans in place. So there's a built-in ticking clock where she has three weeks to find the groom. Well, I think from from what I saw, she just thinks... The God is going to provide this groom for her. Is that right? It's a very interesting take on both optimism and faith. So she thinks if she really has enough faith, um, you know, she really wants to get married on the eighth night of Hanukkah, that God will provide because she's, you know, decided that's what she wants. It's definitely 
a slow movie. I mean, it takes its time despite the ticking clock, but I will give it high points in terms of originality. The characters are very original. She reminds me on some level, and I don't want to overstate this, of Elaine on Seinfeld. I can see that. I saw that. Yeah, I can. She certainly her facial expressions are as rich. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you want to take a wild stab at what she does for a living? I mean, this is one of the great challenges of screenwriters is giving a character a job that hasn't been done to death when you think about all the movies no that have come what before. I have no idea. What does she do? She runs a mobile petting zoo. Want to see the Nachash? Yay! And who is ready to get Avi? No. It's definitely an original twist on the marriage plot, which we've seen since the days of Jane Austen, and who really does it better than Jane Austen? The uh-huh. dialogue's good, even though it's subtitled. So I definitely, um, you know, I definitely found it original and interesting. If you can handle a slow-paced, independent, well, kind you of know, movie. I mean, you know, I don't have any issues with slow-paced. <laughs> Uh, she said facetiously. Exactly. But does it remind, what, what do you, do you compare it to the Big Fat Wedding? People are comparing it to my Big Fat Greek Wedding, but um, I mean, I suppose you could because it gives us insights into a culture which you don't see coming out of Hollywood every day. And it is about a wedding. Um, it does star a woman, but I think the tone is there are funny moments, but I would say the tone overall is a little bit more, it has a little bit more gravitas than my hmm. Big Fat Greek Interesting. Wedding. Interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she, well, she, everything she did was very funny, but there were great overtones in that as well. I mean. Right. This one, though, I was reading recently about the oldest, healthiest people around the world, and one of the traits they share is optimism. Uh-huh. And just what this movie says about optimism and faith, I think it makes it worth a watch. Okay, well, I'm optimistic. Are you? I definitely. I think I'm. my inner core is made of optimism. Well, there you go. So we should have longevity then. I'll, I'll buy that. How many episodes do you think we could get out of our joint <laughs> optimism? <laughs> the other question I want to ask you about it, though, is it did seem like it was so much more important that you have a man and be married than to be alone and be successful. I mean, op- part of optimism is accepting your your position and where you are in life and believing it's good enough, you know, like mm-hmm. was, did it seem like she was desperate to be married? Did it feel At that way? At one point she goes back on another date with a man she had dated before. And he says, you know, why is it that you agreed to see me now? And she, she just looked at him and she just said, despair. I mean, point blank. She makes no yeah. bones about it. Yeah, so. I, That bothers me about it. You know, if the messaging is, be married or be nothing. I, I'm not loving that, you know. If that's the underlying tenet of why this is so important to her, isn't I'm not, I'm not sure I want to even see it. But but it looked really yet, fun from the from it the brings preview. in the whole layer of her deep faith and her culture of being an Orthodox woman in Israel. She wants to be the one accepted by her society as a married woman with extra status, and so. There's a cultural relativism layer there of what's also important to her culture as opposed to her as an individual. Mm. Um, Well, I hope our culture can get over itself at some point in time. And the acting, good? The acting was great. And to me, this was a much more interesting take than, for example, How to Be Single, which we reviewed last year. Right. Or even Bridesmaids. I mean, there's a point, there's one Mm -hmm. little view they give us of all these women in the car 
And it's like, you know, we're going to be slapstick, silly bridesmaidsy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a criticism that we've discussed on this podcast about how many movies come out of Hollywood purporting to be about how to be single, which still have yeah. that pressure to get exactly. married. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Where it's okay. Second best is be single this way, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Right. And because it's an Orthodox movie, I mean, one interesting thing is there is not a scene in this movie where a man and woman touch. Well, I saw one scene where she said to the guy she's sitting across from having a date, well, you haven't looked at me since I sat down. And he said, I will only look at my wife, which will make her the most beautiful woman on earth. I thought that was sort of cute, actually. <laughs> Again, some very original moments. Yeah, I thought that was original. So, And it does make you think when you're out there dating about who might be serious and who might just be fly by night. Hmm. You know, good. how you rank a long-term partner. It's interesting. <laughs> Um, and then I took a look at somebody talked about the perfect family. Did you do you remember somebody on social media talking to us about that? No, clearly I do not have the perfect memory. I think it was Val, but I'm not. I'm, I hesitate to use her name. We got to get back to Val's good okay. graces. Okay, Val, if this was your idea, fabulous. Monsignor Murphy has nominated me for Catholic Woman of the Year. Why are you whispering? I'm still in church. It's a sin to boast. So The Perfect Family with Kathleen Turner. So Kathleen Turner, it's on Netflix. You can pick it up there. But Kathleen Turner plays this Catholic parishioner who is up for Catholic Woman of the Year, who has led this perfectly Catholic-based life, right, while her family is falling apart. So she tries to hide their falling apart so she can win. I'm just trying to be happy, Mom. Well, who cares if you're happy? You're living in sin. Says who? The Pope. What do you think? I don't have to think. I'm a Catholic. Hollister, this sounds like that TV show we reviewed a while ago, The Real O'Neills. Yeah, exactly. It's a predictable ending. There's no surprises, no great dialogue or direction, but she is Kathleen Turner. And I, you know, it's so funny when you get an amazing actor, even if they don't have, if they're not given the tools to build a great shed, they build it, you know. I made a lot of mistakes. Well, we all struggle from time to time. What if it's all the time? And so it's, it's, it's pretty good to watch because of her. And I just wonder why she's not doing more work and why she's not getting more work, because the caliber of her acting will always sit at the top of the pile as far as I'm concerned. Although I'm quite sure there are many, many actors all wondering the same thing, yeah, waiting for their yeah. phones to ring. Yeah, I'm sure. That, you know, it, it is funny that there are so many, and yet somehow it seems like people go in and out of favor not based on what their talent base is, but just sort of, oh, you're not, you know, nobody's looking at you now. You know, it's sort of who's who's hot and who's not, you know, so. And yet she's done an amazing job throughout her career of getting very different roles, you know, going from being cast as the total sex pot, for example, to playing Matthew Perry's father on Friends. Hello, all. <laughs> Hi, Dad. <laughs> Oh, I, don't, I didn't see that. I'll have to check that out. Um, it's her voice. I mean, that voice is, you know, it's... She should be doing voiceover for everything. I mean, her voice is her voice, never to be confused with anyone else's. Really amazing. You know, I think maybe 
we should take a Kathleen Turner movie as our blast from the past film for the week. Do you have one you like? One you want to pick out? You know, I might go with Body Heat. Really? Oh my goodness. Okay. I I haven't seen it in forever, but I do remember somebody, was it William Hurt or was it Kathleen Turner walking through a wall? Must have been William Hurt. Okay. Blast from the past, Body Heat. I'm going to check it out. I don't think I ever saw it, so I'm excited. I mean, is it worth worth going to, right? That was her first movie, and that's what put Kathleen Turner on the map. And then watch her play Mr. Bing on Friends. Okay, I will. Okay. Um, Okay, and then we're going to round out here with Netflix. Once again, original programming that they don't tell you is out. Thank God for people who uh, are shooting these off to us. But Glow uh, launched on Netflix about a week ago, and it's set in the 80s, complete with what I like to call hair that is high. I always think (laughs) of 80s hair as high. You know, like it rises up sort of like, you know, a building that's too tall in a neighborhood of short buildings. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's from the 80s, complete with hair that is high. And then... I think some of the people wearing the hair were high themselves back <laughs> in the 80s. These mighty workout outfits that belong many places but never in a gym as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. And um, so it's Alison Brie who plays Ruth Wilder, who's a struggling actor. And she's best known for Mad Men. Did you ever see her in that? You know, Hollister, I never caught her in Mad Men, but she was Lucy in How to Be Single. Oh, she was? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yep. Well, so she's had some parts, but not, you know, it's not like her name brings immediate image to mind. But anyway, so she's a, you know, down-on-her-luck actor. In this world, there are good guys and there are bad guys. And I will not be bullied into submission. You're reading the man's part. Oh, God. Would you like to start over? Yes, I would. Sorry to interrupt. Your wife is online, too. In desperation, she, she uh, takes on the role of women who are performing for a wrestling organization to be televised in, in, in Los Angeles. Ruth, there's an audition. They're looking for unconventional women, whatever that means. Hello, ladies. I'm Sam Sylvia, and this is Glow. Sorry, what's Glow? Gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Did you get a chance to watch any of the episodes? You know, Alistair, I didn't. I saw what it was about, and <laughs> I just thought female wrestlers, any kind of wrestler, this isn't for okay, me. Okay, so it, but the creators, you know, it's Liz um, Flayhive and Carly Mensch who produced Showtime's Nurse Jackie. Miss, Miss Gilpin was, was a regular in Nurse Jackie, and she's, she's really, really cool and glow. And she has this, she's really good at physical comedy. And so she, she definitely understands all of that. But what's so great about Glow is that each woman ends up cast as a broad stereotype, so strong in their stereotypicalness that it makes it interesting because it takes each stereotype over the top, but at the same time, it makes you recognize the stereotype of them all. Do you know what I mean? So but the other thing is, it's about the personal lives of each of these individuals, as well as when they all come together to do these very physical moves and energy-driven elements that are interesting in the end. It's not like you sort of want to fast forward through those through the actual wrestling time, but it's the personal lives that come together where you would never have this group of people together in any other circumstance, which is what I think makes it really, really good. Now, Hollister, were there really female wrestlers in the 80s? I don't know that these people are female wrestlers. In other words, you know, I think many of the men 
wrestlers were not really wrestling either. I think it's 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 an acting. It's acting. But there are were, no real wrestlers. They're not really wrestling. But were there fake female wrestlers in the eighties? I have no idea. Are you hiring actors to play wrestlers, or are we the wrestlers? Go. Yes. I think there were roller derby people. Same thing. They just put it in the middle of a of a wrestling ring rather than I don't know. Is that important to you that they that it be accurate? <laughs> I mean, I am not looking to a show called Glow with that poster to be a documentary, but I was a little curious. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there were or not. I can't speak to whether they were, but it certainly looks like there could have been. Let's put it that way. The other thing about it is, you know, there are some moments when things happen where you're just, it takes you by surprise and you had no idea. There's, in the, in the pilot episode, there's a moment when, when she is confronted by her best friend about something that's just really, really big. And I think they handled it really well and they brought it into the ring and that worked too. So, and the other thing that worked is I'm not giving up. Uh, you know, in other words, he throws her out of the auditions in the end, but she comes back anyway and says, let me do it again. I mean, she, you know, she's persistent. And I love the idea of persistence towards success. This is about justice. This is about holding on to what's ours. I've only watched a few of the episodes. I haven't watched the whole thing. And I don't know if I'll watch it in the next week or so. But I think by the end of the summer, I will have completed the first the first season of it. But I, I, it's definitely worth watching. And again, I beg Netflix, who I understand now may be listening to us from time to time, why do you not let us know when you're launching these things? Because it's very hard to find. I had to go search it. And if you've just, you know, someone like me, this should have been on our, in our queue, you know? Lister, I just love the fact that you saw National Geographic's take on Albert Einstein and glow in the same week. You really have range. <laughs> I am a Renaissance woman interested really in all are. things. Yes, you really <laughs> I are. I know you think Your I am. curiosity <laughs> knows no bounds. I know. And, and I'm so glad that you stuck on your high horse with some foreign film of high intellect <laughs> while well, I'm down there in glow. You know, like, you know, I saw another TV show this week. It's a German TV show. And I have a plea to our here listeners. Here we go again. Especially okay. those in Germany, because it's not yet available to us in the U.S. I saw it on a Delta flight. And it's called Frauenherzen, which is women's hearts. It's about four women who live in Berlin and their lives intersect, which is I already the love same, the name. Love the name. You know, it's that device that we talked about in our podcast about that series 100 Streets with uh-huh. Idris Elba. So if our German listeners have any idea how we can see it here in the States, please let us know. I guess we have to we have to fly Delta, huh? We'll fly Delta, or maybe we should just fly to Berlin and plunk ourselves down it. Because now I've only seen two episodes and I'm dying to know how the rest of it pans out. Well, there you go. Okay, so we now can roll out to our list of six this week. Yes. Which is the our six favorite ensemble casts in a TV series. Mm-hmm. Okay, it, I had a lot more. I mean, I had to pare down. What about you? I felt the exact same way. Oh, my gosh. That was really hard. And then I thought, okay, what if I just stick with things in the last 15 years? Or do I go all the way back to, you know, Father Knows Best? I mean... It was very interesting, so I'm, I'm interested to hear. Why don't you lead us off? What did, what did you start with? Okay, I'm going to start with the inimitable Downton Abbey. And I think when you I'm just... I'm so glad you did it, because now I can take it off mine and give another one. 
<laughs> I, it's so, you're so right. You're absolutely right. Go well, ahead. It's funny. When you just look at the poster for the show, there's a humongous cast on that poster, even if they had to remove the dog because the dog's name was Isis. But upstairs and downstairs, so well cast. I took a look. Do you want to guess how many of their actors were in all 52 episodes? Well, so many died that it couldn't be that many, right? Which goes to show how many were in the show because... How many? 13 actors were in well, every single episode. Well, I think that's remarkable, just in terms of production. Actually, that's brilliant of you to even add those up. Because, But the other thing about it that I think makes you right on target is that um, it covers every personality type, age group, demographic. You could, I mean, young, old, rich, poor... Um, honest, you know, deceitful. I mean, there's every character and every caricature of a character that you could possibly want. You know, humor, funny, but some that are totally serious, you know, that have no humor. I mean, it's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And Julian Fellows did such a good job of balancing out the storylines because the fact that there were that many actors in every episode, it never skewed, you know, towards one character I love that you picked that. And also, it's good that you picked that for now because, you know, they've just signed to do the movie. There is going to be a movie. Really? Mm -hmm. Downton Abbey, the movie. Interesting. You know, know I'm not real big on bringing things back for money, Mm -hmm. but... But I'll, I'm sure we'll go, right? Oh, so. yeah, I'll probably dress up as my favorite character. Okay. So before we get to mine, just shh, don't say it too loud, but did you pick Sex in the City? I did not. Did you pick it? No, of course not. But I thought you might pick it. You know, I think it was definitely a contender. Okay, so I'm going to go back and I'm going to give you the same lead-in that I gave that I happened to use this a while ago, mm-hmm. but I felt like couldn't not use it because we had brought it up in another list of six a while ago. So I'm using it again and I'm going to give you the same intro. Ready? Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Mary, Mary Tyler Moore? Oh, no, MASH. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, my God. I mean, come on. It was only three or four weeks ago. And I hate to bring it in again, but MASH, again, ensemble cast, everybody, you know, from Radar to the Colonel, every single person had such a unique personality, some of which had no humor, some of which had humor. It was just exceptional. So I, I went with MASH as one of mine. That's a great choice, Hollister. Oh, thanks. Did You didn't even watch it, though, so how do you know? Because it's on your list. Okay. Well, uh-huh. that's nice of you to support me, even though you can't legitimately agree. Well, happy 150th birthday. <laughs> there you go. Okay, what do you got next? Okay, I put down Seinfeld. And oh, my okay. reasoning behind this one is I thought it was greater as the sum of its parts than as its individual Brilliant. cast members. Brilliant. So, you know, when George and Kramer, after the show ended, when they tried to go out on their own with their own shows, they didn't last. And, you know, the Seinfeld curse was something that was much discussed until Elaine, Julie Lewis-Dreyfus, had her hit, New Adventures of Old Christine, and now Veep. But um, I did think the four of them working together, it was a special kind of magic. Cool. I like that one a lot. I like and that one. Jason Alexander has had quite a career voicing animated parts. He's the lead in a series coming out July 15th called Cody Kapow. Huh. He does have a good voice for animated yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I like that choice. Good choice. Okay, I'm going to go with the Big Bang Theory. Oh, that's a good choice, Hollister. Well, you know, I wasn't sure it was, but then I decided that it is. First of all, it's been number one on, you know, the major networks for years now. But here's the thing. When it first started, there were four guys and one one really attractive woman who was a ditz. Okay. Okay. 
And the show grew over the years to now where it's a truly ensemble cast where there's two really smart women and one ditz who's very smart, but just in a different way. And then there's the guys and the combination of everything is really brilliant. And the other reason I picked them is because they're fighting for parity in terms of, of, of payment for these women who have come into the show a little bit later. And the guys have also said, look, even if you have to take something away from us, they need to be paid, you know, they need to be honored. And I love the way the cast comes together, but I also love from a gender perspective, I think that it's parody in a way that I really like that shows all different kinds of people in an ensemble way. So everybody has equal part. Um, You know, Sheldon, who is really what this is supposed to center around, Mm -hmm. uh, he shares the spotlight so well with the rest of the ensemble cast. So I picked the Big Bang Theory. And, you know, I love what you say about parody in terms of pay. You know, the first ensemble cast to do that, to my knowledge. Yeah, Friends. Yep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Friends negotiated as a group. They were the first ones to negotiate as a group to be all, which in the end, they each won a million dollars per episode. They didn't win it. They earned it. I'm sorry. They each earned a million dollars per episode. And more power to them is what I say. And there's power in numbers. So it does help to help each other. You know, don't go in there alone. Go in there together. You know, it's nice to know that when the show's called Friends, they actually negotiated like friends and not even frenemies. Okay, what do you have as your last one? Okay, my last one. Don't laugh or laugh. Actually, go ahead and laugh. But okay, should I start now or do I wait till you say? You can start now. Okay. I put down Sesame Street. Okay. <laughs> do you want to just stop there? That's fine. <laughs> no, I. You know, I have a lot to say about the show, but I'm going to spare you. But I just want to make a couple points. One is, not only is it an amazing ensemble cast of humans and puppets, but they were great characters. I mean, when you look at these little personality tests of which Sesame Street character would you be, that goes to show how strong the characterization is. Very inclusive even internationally. So I remember when they were coming up with an Israeli-Palestinian version, they had to give special thought to how the street would look so it wouldn't look too Israeli or too Palestinian. Loved the educational component. And they had a lot of psychologists as consultants. So do you remember when they had to make Snuffleupagus visible to everybody? When he was introduced as a character, only Big Bird could see him. Uh And the psychologist said, you know... We better make him visible to everybody because if there's any child out there being abused, they might think they're like Big Bird and Snuffleupagus, where it's something that only they can see. And I thought, okay, the level of thought that went into that show was remarkable. So it's talking about Well, I list. actually know um, the, you know, Joan Cooney was one of the original creators, and she they were all at a dinner party, Jason Epstein and a lot of the New York, who was publisher of Random House and Major in his day. They were all at a dinner party and the information had just come out that the kids of Harlem, when they went into kindergarten, couldn't test anywhere near kids who, you know, lived down on Park Avenue or downtown because their home life did not provide them any knowledge base of reading or alphabet or any of those things. So they, over dinner, discussed putting a TV show together that wow. would would replace what was lacking in, in homes. And that's how Sesame Street started. And it worked. That it immediately raised the level of, yeah, it really, really worked. And when my daughter, who's now 30, was growing up, that was the one place I felt comfortable parking her, where I felt like I wasn't just 
marking time with her, but really trying to give her, you know, some sort of interesting something while I made a much needed phone call or something. Mm -hmm. So hands off to Sesame Street and what it did for everybody. And not to bring our discussion back down, but which character would you be? Well, Miss Piggy is not on Sesame Street, (laughs) but I would be Miss Piggy. But she's not on Sesame Street. So, of course, that's why I should be her anyway, because she, you know, she was, there were, you know, actually Kermit, I think, is the only one who moved over to Sesame Street, right? Isn't he? I think that's right. You know, yeah. I just applaud your knowledge there of Sesame Street. Oh, hey, the show. you know, I'm all over this. But, but I mean, that's course. just because I knew the people who started it. So it was it, many, many topics of many evenings. Was, and some point, point in time, I used to think, well, we could move on to other topics, but we never did. <laughs> See, so I, well, I wish I'd I, known you then. I would have loved you? to have been at that conversation. <laughs> But I was probably downstairs. Um, My favorite character was Grover. Oh, Grover. I like Grover. Of course, now I think, wasn't he always running around naked (laughs) being Grover? Can I just thank you for also not saying, oh, I thought you would have been Cookie Monster. No, I don't see you as Cookie Monster. Okay, thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And of course, I do see you as a character worthy of a nighttime slot. Okay. Uh (laughs) Okay, so you know what I'm going to end with? The West Wing. Oh, you know, what made you think that? <laughs> I was going to hum the theme song if I could, but I can't remember it. It sounded something very White House-ish. Enough said. You know, by the way, which shows I got to go back to Aaron Sorkin. Hi there, Aaron. I know you listen. I hope you listen. I pretend you listen. All those things. Um, Aaron Sorkin's ability to make a character totally unique unto themselves and then bring them all together so they fit like a perfect puzzle glove. So I, I, you know, I will bring it home with the West Wing. Absolutely. And kudos to their casting agent and to the actors who filled those roles. Right. Now, also, I was thinking maybe we should end and we could go on now for the next six hours with the 150 best things... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> about about screen thoughts, like our favorite moments in screen thoughts. But I don't have any. What about you? You you have none. <laughs> you know, I'm sure my singing would be at the top of your list somewhere, right? Definitely. I'll work on that. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. So happy 150. Over and out.